0: From Hedges Pictures and Sedgley Films comes a six-episode web series featuring tales of horror surrounding Louisiana's haunted past. Some people don't want to share their stories, Doctor. Requiems. See it online at HedgesPictures.com every Friday, starting October 17th. You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents... The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City Correspondent, Tim Bridgewater-Bender. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 33 of Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater-Bender. Thank you guys for joining me once again as we uh, make our way to almost halfway or so through the final season, the final book of Legend of Korra, which is of course book four, balance. And of course, this episode of the podcast will focus on chapter four, episode four, The Calling. I want to take a moment here to remind all my listeners and let any new listeners know that this is a fan feedback influenced uh, sort of a podcast. So that means I welcome your emails and your theories. We like to do that a lot on Republic City Report in um, a segment I call Correspondence. So you can send me your correspondence to Republic City Report at gmail.com that being said i do have an email that i'm going to read on today's episode i'll do that a little bit later um and before we actually get into this episode i just want to let you guys know i talked about this on one of the previous episodes about it's halloween time now right i mean a couple days halloween will be here i'm sure i'm not the only person that loves it and loves to dress up and all that uh if you have any Halloween costumes you want to share with me or anything like that, you can send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com or you can head over to the Facebook page, uh, Republic City Report, there. Uh, I actually, at this point in time, as of right now, have dressed up once already. Uh, this past weekend, I went to a party. I think I mentioned this before also. Um, there's an annual party that I go to with some friends of mine. That has a theme every year. And uh, I went the past two or three years. The first year we did it, it was X-Men. I went as Bishop. Uh, the following year was Wrestlers. I went as The Rock. Uh, the following year was uh, Villains. I went as the Green Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So uh, actually, I believe you can see all the photos of those if you head over to Facebook.com slash Tim Bridgewater 2. I'll go and check to make sure they're there, but they should be there. And I will be posting a photo from this year's party, of which I went as dun dun dun. Wait, did I tell you? First of all, the uh, theme was cartoons. Okay, so I ended up going as Snake Eyes from GI Joe. Now there's a couple of reasons why I did that, and I may do a video later on, kind of breaking down these kinds of things, because I also did a video. uh, about how i put together my green ranger costume so if you want to go over to youtube and look up tim dog timdog O G three two six, you can see a video of that i think i'm going to post one this year of this outfit too but basically i didn't want to spend a bunch of money on a costume this year or anything so i kind of used different pieces from from things i already had uh, to kind of combine and make a snake eyes costume which i already kind of i mean i still had to order a couple things you know, I didn't already have everything, but it came out pretty well. I think people seem to like it. So if you want to see that photo of me as Snake Eyes, uh, head over to Facebook.com slash Tim 2. And hell, while you're there, you may as well go ahead and give it a like. Because uh, I'll be posting a lot more stuff from that page as we start to wind down on this final season of Republic City Report. I'd like to keep in touch with you guys. I would like to keep you guys aware of the the different things that I'm involved in, uh, whether or not I start a new podcast. um, I do film things. I do a lot of different stuff. So you want to head over there and keep up with me. Make sure you go over and like that page. Okay. so enough of that stuff. Let's get into this episode of the final season, which is oh man, it still hurts me to say that out loud of uh, the Legend of Korra. So, of course, you know, the last episode pretty much ended with uh, Tenzin sending his three of his four kids uh, part of the new airbender squad here to go out and search for Korra. So that's pretty much where this episode uh, takes off at now I don't think there's going to be as much of an in-depth sort of a conversation really about this episode because this is something that happens every now and then um, I mean there are some really important things that happen in this episode and then some of it is just kind of well it just you know it gets you from point A to point B and that's kind of what we get for pretty much the first quarter or, or, or so of this episode it's really just a lot of comedic relief with Milo, Iki, and Nora. Um, and they're just kind of on this adventure to find core, which is very cool. I mean, if they ever wanted to, by some chance, spin off from this show, continue it or something like that. I think it'd be very interesting to just have a show that revolves around Tenzin's children. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be a 22 episode thing or, you know, just a mini series or something. And maybe they grow up and because they've created a very interesting character with uh Jinora. Uh, for sure, you know, especially with her getting her tattoos and everything. And you know, these are these are ang's descendants here, so it'd be kind of cool to see what happens to them at some point. But who knows where they'll all be by the end of the season, you know, maybe they'll jump time again. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but yeah, so he and Pema, Tenzin and Pema pretty much send off, send them off, and you know, they're kind of giving their, their parental concerns and all these things that you would normally assume, but uh. I can't remember if it was Iki or Jinora. They both uh, brought up a good point, though, that, uh, you know, Grandpa Aang did this when he was a kid years ago. I mean, you know, Aang, Sokka, Katara, uh, Toph, they were all kids. So in this world, it's not as unusual to let your kids go off across the planet by themselves, especially if you're the descendants of Aang. But what we do get from here is a lot of, you know, Janora is being her usual kind of spiritual, more adult self. Uh, Iki is finding herself in the middle, which is always weird being a middle child. I'm not a middle child. Uh, I, I do have four siblings. I have two older brothers and an older sister and a younger sister. So I'm not quite in the middle, but I'm the last boy. So that itself is just a. different dynamic so i can kind of relate to Iki in some ways but of course you know they're just kind of going around to different parts of the, the the world here um just based on different things that they find to try to pick up korra's trail so they find themselves out in the earth kingdom of course and we kind of get this little montage of them just kind of going to different parts of the uh, the Earth Kingdom and including this little scene that we get between Milo and this girl that he has a crush on. <laughs> it's, it, Milo's a very funny character. It'd be it'd be it'd be very interesting to see how that pans out as an adult, uh, because one thing this show has been very good about is where it's the last as well as the last Airbender series. When when showing the characters as adults, their personalities are pretty much the same right there's no drastic changes that we can tell uh, I mean well I mean okay except for maybe like Zuko right I mean but Zuko was toward the end of The Last Airbender Zuko was a very different character than he was in the beginning so that, that says a lot too but they come across the guy who was um, the photographer in the, in the Earth Kingdom who took the photo of Korra I mean also took a photo of Aang and then that kind of leads them to they know now that they're on the right path and he mentions something about her not being in good shape when um, when he saw her last. And that is going to kind of actually uh, play into something later on that happens. So it's actually kind of important that you pay attention to that. Now, also, meanwhile, let's not forget, we've got Cora uh, still in the swamp with Toph. Uh, Toph is being her usual self, <laughs> which is still very funny. You know, this episode and last episode, the humor has been stepped up a lot. Which, I mean, it's it's at the right point in the series because, well, we're, we're getting Korra back to her normal self so one of the best ways to do that for her and do that for us as an audience is to inject some humor into it, right? I mean, we can't have everything be so down and depressing when they're giving us reasons now to hope and to kind of cheer Korra on so a good way to do that through storytelling is to just kind of inject some humor in there. Now, what Toph does is I think Cora is looking for something to eat or something like that. So she kind of sends her off into the, into, further into the woods and tells her to, how to find the food. You know, it shouldn't take long for you to figure out here that that's, that that's just part of the reason that she's sending her out there, right? She's going to learn something. We know something about these woods already. You know, we know that this place where she is is a very spiritual type of place because I believe we learned that in the last Airbender. So... You know, rest assured, at some point, she's going to have some kind of a vision or something. She's going to learn something from her time there. It's not just a waste. Uh, Now, meanwhile, um, (laughs) the three siblings are kind of getting a little upset with each other, frustrated, particularly Iki, who kind of goes off on her own. Now, the very interesting thing about this episode is that we actually spend a lot of time with Iki, right, which is new. I mean, she's certainly the least developed Uh, one of the siblings. Well, no, sorry. There's also Rohan, right? But he's a baby, so he doesn't. (laughs) But out of the three older siblings, Iki's the one we spent the least amount of time with. Um, So it's, it's, it's good that she's kind of being focused on a little bit more in this episode. But it's funny the way it ties in because she herself is feeling left out, right? She's feeling kind of left out. In her own life, with her own surroundings, with having Milo as a little brother and Janora, you know, quote unquote perfect Janora as her older sisters. So, we as the audience have been feeling the same way as Iki, right? That she's been kind of getting less attention lately. So, it's good to get her up in the forefront. But of course, she gets into trouble now. She stumbles into one of these newly acquired Kuvira uh, nations within the Earth Kingdom. And, you know, you can't just do that anymore because she doesn't want other nations just invading their space whenever they feel like it. And, of course, Iki is uh, from the Air Nation. So she gets kidnapped. not I'm sorry, not kidnapped, captured by these two guards. And, you know, she's just kind of having a little conversation while being tied up and kind of inadvertently lets them know that she is the daughter of Tenzin, right? And is one of the world leaders at this point. Very important guy. They all know who he is. They're thinking, hey, if we turn her and her siblings in for trespassing, then we can get in good with Kuvira. Because now everyone wants to impress her because she's just that powerful now, right? She's basically the queen of the Earth Kingdom, kind of self-declared. So that happens. So they kind of play this little game where they're just kind of being nice to her. And they kind of trick her, really. Uh, they're trying to trick her. And to just kind of giving these these, you know, information up so they can find her siblings. And this one guy keeps bringing up macaroons for some reason. I mean, (laughs) you know, it doesn't it doesn't tie into the story at all, at least that we know. But it doesn't have to. It's there for comedic relief. And these shows have always been very good at doing that. I mean, just think about the cabbage guy. Think about the cabbage guy from The Last Airbender. I mean, he would just show up every now and then. Someone would wreck his cabbage cart. And he w- and it was just the funniest thing ever. Right. So it's 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 kind of cool to, to have that there, um, because once again, this is more so a point A to point B type of episode. You know, they're saving the really big plot affecting things to the end uh, or, or, or leaving it to core, in other words. And it's OK to do that. You know, some shows, some some shows have what they call filler. Now, I wouldn't consider this filler. Because we still get some plot development in this episode. And once again, we get from A to B and it, it does actually come together. But this is just kind of an example of how you can just have something like this and still make it interesting. Uh, without it being just com- a complete waste of time, like some lesser shows would have done. Now, meanwhile, like we said earlier, Cora is pretty much walking through the swamp at this point, And she's having these visions. She's seeing visions of the past battles that she's had. So every villain from each book, okay, Aman, Unalak, Vatu, or Vatu Vatulak, or Unavatu, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, and then, of course, Zaheer and the Red Lotus. You know, and, and obviously there's something that's going to be learned from this, you know. This has been her problem this entire time is that she's been carrying around these past battles. I mean, more so the more recent one with Zaheer and the Red Lotus because that's the one that left her Broken in a sense, right? But they've even found a way to tie in her previous battles as well. You know, they did the same thing at the end of book three when she was tied up and you know, and she was trying to fight going into the Avatar state and when she was poisoned, all of that. She had these visions of Amon and in Unalak, and you know, so very nice way to kind of tie all three books together. You know, so many shows will feel so disconnected where each book is about something completely different. And they don't even really uh, reference anything that happened before. But when you do it like this, it feels like much more of a shared universe. It allows you to become more immersed in it. And more importantly here, it shows you that even, what is it, three years later, that Korra is still not over these things, right? So imagine having something like that weighing you down, both mentally, emotionally, and physically for that amount of time. But thankfully, we finally get to see her come out of it. Now, meanwhile, uh, Iki is kind of being interrogated to some extent by these guys. But at the same time, she's kind of getting information out of them. Right. Because she, you know, through this conversation. And once again, this is what I said about exposition. Right. Exposition, as well as, you know, this doesn't count as filler to me because it still means something. This is something that this this show does extremely well. Even on an episode like this where you just have them going from point A to point B being funny, it still affects the actual arc of the story. And through these adventures and through this, um, she basically finds out where Korra is. Because they're saying that they checked everywhere else except for that one spot because no one would dare go there, etc. And, you know, Iki's thinking, well, you know, that's got to be where she is because that's the only place you guys haven't checked. As well as knowing that that place is kind of a spiritual place. Um meanwhile, of course, her brother and sister are looking for her, So they end up busting in there using some impressive airbending. Um, and well, she pretty much tells them, hey, I mean, first of all, we got the food back. Secondly, uh, I think I know what Korra is. So, you know, even like I said, even through these little side adventures that they're having, it still affects the main plot and it's still something to be learned by it. Um, now, meanwhile, Cora is still having a hard time. You know, she sits down and has a conversation with Toph. She's saying, basically, you know, Toph is asking her, OK, so what is it? You know, what's the problem here? And, and why, you know, she's telling her that she basically she's she's still carrying these past battles with her, you know. And this is kind of this kind of ties into what I mentioned in previous episodes about, you know, the the metal being inside of her body it's really just a physical manifestation of what she's going through mentally and emotionally. And that's always been a good way to tie in things and storytelling is to have a physical representation of it as well that, you know, because that represents her giving up. It's like, it symbolizes symbolism is is a very good word to use that. it, It symbolizes her giving up these past battles and the faults that she had and the problems she had with it and the fear that she has associated with it. Um, So that's basically what Toph is trying to get her to see here in this moment um, by talking about her past battles and everything. And she also happens to say a line that uh, is to me one of the best lines to come out of this series or the, the previous one is that she says you can't expect to defeat your future enemies if you're still fighting the old ones, right? Once again, you know, this show has always been very great at getting across these ideas that you yourself can take and apply to your own life in some sense. I mean, who can't relate to that? Right. That's just good advice in general. Um, You know, Uncle Iroh used to be very good at that. I mean, I was part of was one of my most favorite things about the last Airbender series was just listen to Iroh talk (laughs) when he would give. Uh, you know, rest in peace Mako who did the voice originally and um You know it was just it was just it was just great. I mean, you know, he would be giving advice to Zuko and, and there were things that you could learn from that as well, and that is just one of the most brilliant things about this show, is that, you know, some shows will come across as preachy or they will come across as being very in your face or blatant or rude, but it's not like that with Legend of Korra. You know, it's 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 it applies to Cora in her situation and try in terms of getting her out of something and making her better. And if you happen to be listening, you yourself can take that advice as well. It's not so direct, you know, like an, like an eighty you know, I was talking about snake eyes earlier, like an eighties GI Joe cartoon or something like that. Go back and watch those cartoons from the eighties. And they were, they were way more specific and, and in, you know, on the nose about those kinds of things right really direct and it's like really clearly this is like a public service announcement i'm not even talking about the actual psa's they aired after the episodes you know even during the episodes they would say these things and it's like it's really obvious that it was directed at kids right well nowadays you know kids aren't stupid and they're not slow i mean not that not that we were either when i was a kid but You don't have to be so direct now. You can have these undertones and have your character experience these things and come out of them. And that in itself will be enough to help you out. And and that's, you know, everyone can learn something from watching The Legend of Korra. And, uh, And that's one of the most impressive things about it. So, I mean, we knew that when she ended up in the swamp and she saw Toph, this is why she was there. Right. She's there to learn. She's there to train. She's going to come out of this and then starts to we realize she has the metal left in her body. She ends up with the, the most B.A. metal bender of all time. So but it's just it's more than about uh, just bending metal out. Right. It's about getting past these things spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, mentally. Now, of course, we've got our airbender kids here and they end up there because, well, like once again, Iki has a feeling, you know, she's saying that this is a spiritual place. And the guy in the Earth Kingdom told us that when last time we saw Kor, she didn't look very good. Right. So that that comes back around here. And then they so they end up there and they know it's spiritual. And the funny thing about it is that Jinora is not sensing anything. So how the tides have turned here right janora is usually the one who's super spiritual and has the third eye and the sixth sense and all these things and but she you know she was siding with milo and thinking you know i don't think core is here but once again in this episode we get to see that Iki is pretty useful herself right uh, so then the vines pull them in, which which just lends even more credence to this idea that she has that Korra is there. And meanwhile, they're still kind of disagreeing with her. But um, we all know that he is right. And uh, this is the most we've ever got to see her do anything in an episode. And I appreciate it. Now, meanwhile, Toph is bringing Korra to, I believe, it was what was called the Banyan tree. I'm sorry if I've got that wrong. Uh, once again, you know, there's 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 this series utilizes physical representations of physical things to represent uh spiritual things, right? So this tree, you know, as Toph is talking to Cora about it, she says the tree reaches out to every its roots reaches out all across the entire swamp, right? It's connected to everything. So clearly that is a parallel to Korra's uh, connection or lack thereof to her past lives, her spirit side, her family, everything, because she's been off on her own. Not only can she not access the Avatar state, but she's also been physically disconnected and estranged for about six months from people. So this Korra, she needs to be more like this tree. She needs to reach out and just kind of be one with nature get her roots in, and, and reconnect. And in this very beautiful moment, she does that. She kind of touches the ground and then kind of sends her, channels her energy through the, the roots. And because of that, she's able to actually see Iki, Milo, and Janora, And at the same time, Janora senses her. So Janora wasn't completely off her game. <laughs> you know, she just needed a little more of a boost, right? Because arguably, Korra is at her weakest right now, spiritually and we all know that core you know janora has probably the strongest ties to the spirit world than anyone else so you know that's that explains why she wasn't really able to to censor before but now you know we've got this moment this amazing awesome moment you know like one of those moments that just makes you smile tear up all those good things we get a reunion the kids show up they all run to Cora, and give a big hug um milo said some funny stuff as always. <laughs> and then we get this kind of this brief little introduction to Toph, which is pretty cool. Um, but basically, you know, this, this is kind of just the beginning of Cora reconnecting. And it happens to be just the jumpstart. She needs to really get this thing going, you know, just to know that all I had to do was really focus and reconnect with the things that matter the most to me and disconnect with all of these past battles And that is what I need to get this metal outside of my body, as well as get rid of these thoughts that are plaguing me. So, as I mentioned in a previous episode, you know, we get this very emotional, inspirational, beautiful uh, sequence of Korra basically bending the metal out of her own body, right? Right. Um, as I knew it would be (laughs) and and I have always loved the music of this show I mean obviously I own the soundtrack and that's why you hear it playing in the background is because a I love it so much and B I just think it helps the mood which you guys have always told me that you liked it as well but just listen to it during this scene listen to it during this sequence I mean it's just so powerful and and it fits so well you actually get to see the little beads of metal come out of her body. She bends them out and forward and the whole time she's also she's she's letting go of these past fights. Toph has a reminder, you know, those battles are over now. You won those. Uh, so she bends out the metal and then Toph kind of encases it in this rock and we get this beautiful sequence. I mean, the, I, I can't even really explain <laughs> how amazing this show is at times you know and then she immediately goes into the avatar state directly afterward Bam, she's back uh, now of course this isn't going to solve everything right you know she's still probably got a, a little you know training to do a little little catching up to do in, in some ways so I don't expect her to go directly and challenge Kuvira I mean this is only the third episode uh, or f- fourth episode of this season uh, fourth episode yeah so you know expect there to be a lot more because we've got about seven or so episodes left um, so it's gonna be very interesting to see where that how that turns out so uh, that about does it for the talk about the episode itself if there's any theories or questions or uh, anything you want to say about the episode send me an email send your correspondence to republiccityreport at gmail dot com um, so with that being said we'll go ahead and switch over to Uh, the email that I received and that is from Wayne, Wayne. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, I've been getting a lot of emails lately from new listeners, people that have never emailed me before. Uh, I very much appreciate it. Keep it up. Um, thanks for listening. Your email reads, hi, Tim. Love the podcast. It's the most in-depth and intelligent review of legend of core out there on the net. Thank you for your time and energy put forth to deliver such a quality program well i just want to comment on that real quick wayne thanks <laughs> i mean i can't i can't tell you enough how much it means to me for you to say that uh because i'm really just being me you know and if i'm if you guys are getting an in-depth intelligent review in it, and if it truly is the best out there on the net in your opinion then that's all that matters to me so i appreciate it. And it is because of people like you that i i do this so thanks so i'll move on now Says, you mentioned that you wondered why Korra picked firebending to show Tenzin that she was back to full strength. It's like you said, Korra is a hothead and although waterbending is her native element, firebending fits her personality the most. You can see this in the fight against Zaheer. She used firebending to fly and to combat him. So, yeah, yeah, you're, you're totally right there, Wayne. That's exactly, you know. And, and, and honestly, that just kind of proves even more of my point that the writers put so much thought into this show right because something like that could have easily just been like well hey uh, let's just pick an element and give it let her fight with that one because she has to pick one but th- this show is m- so much more than that that they don't do anything for no reason you know and the fact that they actually gave she decided to use firebending in that moment was because she was very much a hothead and she was very much kind of frustrated and amped up and she was ready to prove herself and a and yes, firebending is always pretty much suited Korra a lot more so than water. Uh, so it does make sense that she will use it in that moment. So I agree. Says here. Also, I think Korra by the end of the season will find all the past avatars in the spirit world. Looking forward to a great last season of Korra and more great podcasts from you. Thanks again, Wayne. Wayne, thank you so much for the email. I very much appreciate it. Feel free to email me at any time. Uh, I am hoping... By the end of the season, she will reconnect with all the past. I mean, she has to, right? I mean, this this book is called Balance. Balance. By the end of this thing, by the end of this series, by the end of this book, uh, most things, if not everything, should have some balance. You know, so it'd be very interesting to see what the writer's idea of that is in this world, because... We've been kind of going back and forth on like, well, is the world better with an avatar or is it better without one? I mean, we really technically don't know. Um, You know, they've been we've been told to believe this entire time, just like everyone in that world, that the avatar, the purpose is to bring balance between the spirits and, and, and the humans and just to bring balance to the world. Right. Maybe that balance can be removing the avatar, you know, I mean, you never know. So it'd be very interesting to see how this series ends and she has to reconnect. We have to see Aang at least one more time. You know, I wish we would have seen more of him, but certainly she will reconnect by the end of this thing. And it'd be interesting to see how that comes about. You know, don't be surprised if it happens to occur right before the final battle. You know, she happens to reconnect with all her past lives and everything like that. So Wayne, thanks again for sending me an email. Uh, you can send your correspondence to republiccityreport at gmail.com. So I just want to take a moment to uh, remind you guys that I do a lot of different things, you know. So if you want to check out some of those things, like I said on YouTube, you can check me out T-I-M-D-O-G-326. I've got a bunch of videos there, including the Republic City Report uh, music video, rap song that I made. Um, including that Green Ranger video, I was talking about a lot of other stuff. So you can you can spend an evening just going through some of that stuff. And I'm trying to get back on there and make some new things soon too. So check that out. Um, look me up at Facebook.com/slash Tim two to just find out about other new things that I have going on. And while you're there, check out the Republic City Report Facebook page. I never really that thing never really took off very much. I mean, there's a few people on there. So I don't post much on it because, well, you know, there's only a couple people there. And now on Facebook, if you don't pay, you know, a lot of people don't see your posts. So I don't expect that page to have a huge, uh, you know, shift in likes before this series is over. But if you want to head there in the meantime and give it a like, maybe I'll still post some things from it. That's up to you. But definitely check out the Tim Bridgewater 2 page because that's where all my future stuff after this podcast ends, including any other podcast that I may do will take place at speaking of other podcasts that i do i actually do another podcast called geekly dose uh we talk about geek stuff i have a co-host and our producers on there so it's three of us talking about geek things and video games and movies and comic books and all that other all kind of stuff that you love uh, so check that out as well as going to awesomepods.com and just seeing list of the other podcasts that we offer on the network One more thing here I want to mention here, because I I see that some of you guys are actually starting to do this. So I want to make sure I don't forget it. But if you're enjoying this podcast as much as it seems like you are, um, if you want to just leave me a review on iTunes or give me a positive rating on iTunes, that would be great. That would actually really help make the show bigger. And we can really go out with a bang on this final episode. Uh, I'm sorry, this final season of the show. Uh, So thank you to you guys that have done it already. And I and very much would appreciate it if, if the rest of you guys would go take two minutes out of your day to do that for me. So uh, I think that about does it for this episode. So I just want to thank you guys for listening. So remember to get your emails in as soon as you can. So until next time for Republic City Report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender, and I will see you guys next time. This is a mic check. And for this mic check, I'm going to do some Legend of Core music with my mouth. Here we go. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.